The good word today is found in the first six verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now you'll recall in chapter 1, Paul told us how the church was born. Now in chapter 2, he tells us how the church was nurtured, how he helped these little infants in the Lord grow up to be strong and mature. Because then in chapter 3, Paul's going to tell us about their stability, how they were learning how to stand. Chapter 1, they're born. Chapter 2, they grow. Chapter 3, they stand. And then chapters 4 and 5, they walk. This is a wonderful, wonderful picture of what's supposed to happen to Christians. And I trust it's happening in our lives today. Now, we discovered in chapter 2 four pictures of Paul's ministry, four ministries Paul had to these Christians. And these are the kind of ministries that pastors and Sunday school teachers and deacons, spiritual leaders, need to have in our churches today. Now, I've said this before, and you'll hear me say it again as long as I'm broadcasting. New Christians need the local church. We're living in an era when there are many organizations outside the local church. And as a consequence, people think they don't need the local church. Now, I want to remind you that Christians need the local church. I've met these people who were supposed to be saved in their home or in the hospital, but they never come to church. They've never gone forward and identified themselves with God's people. They've never been baptized. And frankly, I don't have much faith in their profession. I believe that when a person is truly born again, he wants to be with the sheep, and he needs to be with God's people. And this chapter explains how new Christians grow in the Lord. Now, God has chosen in his church certain men and gifted them to help the Christians grow. If you'll turn in your Bible, keep your place in 1 Thessalonians 2, but turn back to Ephesians chapter 4. It's good for us every once in a while to be reminded of how God's work is supposed to be done. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In other words, God has given to every Christian some kind of spiritual gift. Now, these spiritual gifts are dealt with in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, every church has in it people who are especially gifted. And these gifted people are God's gift to the church. Verse 11, And he gave, that is, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, pastors and teachers go together. It's not some pastors and then some teachers. A pastor is supposed to be a teacher. Now, not every teacher is a pastor. We have in our Bible school at Calvary Baptist Church a number of people who are gifted teachers, but they're not gifted to be pastors. But every pastor is supposed to be a teacher. Now, why are these gifted people given to the church? Verse 12, Ephesians 4. For the perfecting of the saints, that word perfecting means maturing, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, change that word for to the word unto. So it reads like this. He gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up, edifying of the body of Christ. Now, who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? 
Well, not the pastors and teachers and evangelists. Yes, they do have their ministry. But did you notice Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, tell us it's the saints. It's the individual members of the church who are supposed to do the work of the ministry. The job of your pastor, the job of the teachers, the job of the spiritual leaders in the church is to help the members grow and mature so that they in turn will go out and do the work of the ministry. Now, in most churches today, the members bring their tithes and offerings, they bring their bodies and sit in the pews, and they say, Preacher, you go out and do the work. You find a church that's growing, and you'll find a church where the members are doing the work. Suppose there are 200 members in your church, born-again people. They can contact 200 times the people that one pastor can, You say, but we don't know how to do it. It's his job to show you how to do it. The job of the pastor is to equip these saints to go out and do the work of the ministry. He's the one who's supposed to teach you how to pray, how to study your Bible, how to give, how to go visiting, how to witness, how to overcome the devil, so that you in turn go out and win other people to Jesus Christ. And as you grow and win others, the church grows Wouldn't it be wonderful if every believer tried to win at least one person to Christ this next year? That would double our churches. And then if the next year they in turn went out and won each person one more, we would have even more in our churches. It wouldn't take long before we'd reach everybody. And I don't believe we're going to reach everybody, but we at least ought to try. No, the trouble today is that we Christians pay the bill for someone else to do the work while we cheer We encourage, we attend, but we don't work ourselves. Now, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 that he taught these Christians how to grow. Paul, the faithful steward, verses 1 through 6. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. That's an encouraging thing. I've entered into many places where my ministry has been in vain. It says about the Lord Jesus, he could do no mighty work there among them because of their unbelief. So when Paul came to Thessalonica, because these people responded to the word of God, his ministry was not in vain. You know, sometimes we blame the preachers or we blame the Sunday school teacher. We say, well, he's a dull preacher or she's a dull teacher. Well, do you receive the word of God? Do you go to church with your heart open to receive the word of God? Don't blame somebody else. It might be your own heart. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now, the word contention there means opposition. You see, Paul came to Thessalonica after he had been to Philippi. And you know what happened to Paul at Philippi. He was unjustly arrested. He was illegally judged. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was humiliated. And yet he was a Roman citizen. Then they were asked to leave Philippi. Paul could have quit. He could have said, well, if this is the way people are going to treat me, I'll not preach again. But Paul didn't do that. Paul said, even though we had suffered and were treated so shamefully, we were outraged the way they treated us in Philippi. We didn't quit preaching. I'm afraid people quit too soon. I'm afraid there are Christians who will make a visit and someone slams the door in their face and they say, I'm not going to visit anymore. Or they witness to somebody and this person criticizes them and they say, I'm not going to witness anymore. Well, 
We shouldn't quit. Paul didn't quit. Now, you want to know why Paul didn't quit? Paul had been entrusted with the gospel. He says in verse 4, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Now, this is the important thing about a steward. I read to you in our previous lesson from 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, Moreover, brethren, it is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, this is important, faithfulness. It doesn't say, moreover, brethren, it is required among men that a man be found successful. There are many faithful pastors across this country who are not successful in the eyes of men. You can't count all the work that they're doing. Only God sees the work. You know, there are going to be a lot of surprises at the judgment seat of Christ. Many faithful pastors and missionaries and Sunday school teachers who have never had their names in the paper, they've never won any contests, they've not achieved any national recognition, but they've been faithful. God's going to reward them, I think, a lot farther ahead than some who have had a lot of publicity. We have a lot of Christian celebrities these days, people who are known far and wide for this, that, or the other thing. I'm not saying they aren't faithful. Many of them are. But you see, God doesn't say, moreover, brethren, it's required among stewards that a man be found successful or that a man be found popular. Paul said, the reason we kept on going was simply this. We have a job to do. We are stewards of the word of God. Now, a steward in the Bible was one who possessed his master's goods and used his master's goods for his master's glory, but he owned nothing. Joseph, back in the Old Testament, was steward to Potiphar. This meant he had control of his wealth, he had control of his possessions, but Joseph himself depended upon his master for his own sustenance. Now, Joseph owned nothing. A steward owns nothing. And yet he has the privilege of possessing and using his master's goods. Now, all that is required of a steward is faithfulness, loyalty. You know, I've gone through my Bible and I've noted that you and I are stewards. We have been entrusted with several treasures, several spiritual treasures. For example, here in verse 4, Paul says we have been put in trust with the gospel. I'd like to spend some time on that. We may go into this in more detail. You and I have been put in trust with the gospel. Now, the gospel is mentioned over and over again in this particular chapter. Verse 2, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel. Verse 4, we were put in trust with the gospel. Verse 8, so being affectionately desirous of you, We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Verse 9, we preached unto you the gospel of God. What is the thing that saves people? The gospel. Now, God has entrusted to you and me the gospel. And God's method is to entrust his gospel to men. And these men, in turn, will guard it and entrust it to others. Look, if you will, please, at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Where did Paul get this gospel? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. When God saved Paul, he said, Paul, I'm committing to your trust 
the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? It's the wonderful message that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and arose again the third day. The gospel involves the wonderful person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, this gospel was entrusted to Paul. Now, Paul, in turn, entrusted the gospel to Timothy. In verse 18 of 1 Timothy 1, this charge I commit unto the son Timothy. He said, I'm charging you now, verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience. If you look at the end of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. So God gave the gospel to Paul. Paul committed the gospel to Timothy. Now, what was Timothy supposed to do with it? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So here we have God giving the gospel to Paul. Paul gave the gospel to Timothy. Timothy was to give the gospel to men, faithful men, who in turn were to give the gospel to others. Here's four generations of the gospel. Now, you and I did not invent the gospel. It was given to us. And the word of God has been committed to our trust. Now, Paul said, I'm a steward. My job is not to be popular. My responsibility is not to be greatly successful in the eyes of men. My responsibility is simply to be loyal and faithful to the one who has called me. Our time is up now. We're going to go into this further in our next lesson. This program is What's the Good Word? And I'm Pastor Warren Wearsby from the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. I'm glad you've tuned our way. I trust you'll be ready with the Word of God next time for What's the Good Word?